podcast. We're so happy that you are tuning in to listen to this episode. I promise you guys are going to love today's speaker. She's one of my dear friends, Liv Wysocki. Say hello. Oh, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being on. Um, we, gosh, this today's topic, I'm going to learn so much from, but also I just know the Holy Spirit is going to use you live in mighty ways to speak to women that are listening to this. So, um, if you don't know, live live is well, her full name is Olivia, but I just feel like you're live to me. You're simply yes. live Instagram. So you'll always just be live to me. Yes. Well, my name is an A, so everybody would always mispronounce it or misspell it. So I just shortened it to make it easy for everybody else. I love it. It's so cute. <laughs> well, Liv is a speaker, an entrepreneur, a business owner. She's a ministry leader. She wears so many different hats. And while she does it so well, she also encourages other women to do it too. And she has created the Lydia Effect, which is this community for women to pursue God, grow in leadership and business and develop meaningful friendships. And Liv, you just had like an amazing, su- successful Lydia retreat just like two, three months ago, right? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. I'm like, well, that's a lot to look up to. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was incredible. God has just been opening the doors. People were delivered, set free. People were baptized. So God is just totally in it. It's so cool. I mean, just to see from Instagram from afar, the way that you can pull women together is truly a gift that you have and women that are just like-minded that want to pursue Jesus, even in the business world. I think what you're doing is so awesome. So we'll share more on the Lydia effect later in this podcast and um, where people can further support you and get involved. But uh, we're going to jump into today's episode and it's for the girl tired of waiting. We're going to really talk about the waiting season, but more so on the side of the frustration the waiting season can bring, um, the discouragement, the exhaustion, and how we can just totally feel impatient when it comes to waiting on God to come through for us in the area of a promise that we've been praying for. And I think we can all honestly relate to this topic, whatever season we're in, um, you know, whether you're waiting for a job promotion, a move to a different city, you might be waiting to meet the one, the love of your life, uh, waiting to get married or even to get pregnant. We are literally always in a waiting season and waiting for the next season to come into fruition. And so I really do think we can spend our whole lives trying to figure out this topic because (laughs) it's just something that like you never truly figure out. It's like, okay, I waited for, you know, to graduate college and then get a job and then that happens. And then you're on to the next thing and you're like, how the heck do I wait for the next thing? So if you have a massive testimony in this area and I almost feel like you are an expert waiter, waiter. And I truly feel like you, your heart is just in the right place when it comes to waiting and waiting well. And so I really just want to kind of toss it over to you. You know, you you have gone through a massive test. You have a massive testimony when it comes to marrying your husband, waiting for your husband, Tim, um, just kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah. And I just want to say for all of those people who are triggered by the word wait right now, don't stop this podcast. Don't get off. (laughs) I promise you there's going to be something that you could take away from it because I think when we hear the word waiting, everybody's like, 
PTSD, trauma, don't tell me to wait again. Like we don't want to be patient, right? And so I just wanna encourage you to stay on, so stay on. Um, but yeah, so I, so 10 years ago, actually this week, I don't know when this podcast will be launched. My husband was in a very tragic car accident. He was at an event for cancer and he was going 23 miles an hour and got in a car accident, woman in the back seat of the other car wasn't wearing a seatbelt and she passed away. So it was a very, very tragic car accident. Um, and he ended up getting sentenced to seven years in prison. And so it was horrific. It's crazy to think now, 10 years later, I'll be 33 in January. So I was 22 when this happened. And I'm just thinking about how immature you are as a 22 year old, what you don't know when you're 22 and I'm just truly grateful looking back that the Lord allowed me to, or graced me with, I guess, discipline and just deciding in that moment, like, okay, what is seven years in terms of our entire relationship, the lifespan of a, a marriage or the lifespan of a relationship, you know, it's seven years versus 50 years. And so I just really had to think long-term and say, okay, is Tim God's best for me? Do I really believe that Tim is God's best for me? Do I really believe that God brought him into my life to be a partner and to grow his kingdom together? And, you know, I want to encourage women here, especially um, to not settle. Obviously, that's huge. But you can hear Tim's story and be like, oh, wow, she married someone who was a felon. Right. And they might think, oh, well, maybe he came to Jesus in prison. No, like our whole lives, we were in ministry. Our whole lives, we were serving. He was a youth leader. He did mission trips every year. We were in renewal like literally spiritual revival services every night the night of his accident it was so crazy and so we were seeking the face of the lord and we weren't drinking at the time but he was at the fundraiser did have alcohol in his system and so he got dui manslaughter seven years and so that was just it's it's just unfathomable as a 22 year old to try to wrap your head around it and so it was truly just obviously a waiting season. Now it's been 10 years. <laughs> it's been wild. Um, but the Lord has taught me so much in that. And even, you know, after his accident, there was a two to two and a half year waiting season for him to get sentenced. Mm -hmm. And so even that season, I think was the worst because you're in limbo, not knowing, is he getting 15 years? Is he getting four years? Right. And so there was this, you know, toiling and just really seeking the Lord of, okay, God, what do we do? What do we do in this season? I had to decide, is what I have been grown up in my whole life, I grew up in a pastor's home, is the Bible real or is it not? Is mm -hmm. God a good God or is he not? Mm -hmm. You know, because I think one of the biggest questions in Christianity and what people, not even a Christian, ask is why do bad things happen to good people? Right. And during that time, over the last 10 years, I've been able to really dive into that question and to really seek the face of the Lord and say, okay, we are flawed humans. You know, we have free will. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God is so good. But we also have free will to make our decisions too. And some of them bear consequences that totally suck, like for lack of better terms, like totally suck. And so that is a little bit about my season. And in the same season, right up, like Tim's accident happened. I was in corporate America doing sales, got diagnosed with vocal nodules, got diagnosed with Lyme disease. My papa got diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. Later on, my mom gets diagnosed with breast cancer. So it was just like a lot of trial <laughs> all at once. Yeah. So I was just like, Lord, you know, the verse that talks about, he'll never give you more than you can handle. I'm like, you think I can handle a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're like, um, I'm pumping the brakes. I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's just a little bit about, you know, the weight. Yeah. Well, no. And it's a loaded season that you've walked through. It wasn't just like, okay, this happened to, you know, your soon to be husband. It was all those added trials too. And so, um, you know, you've mentioned about how like you, you had to believe in God. You had to say, is God a good God? And focusing your eyes on something greater and bigger than yourself in that season. Because I honestly think a lot of us in the seasons that we're on, it's so easy to like look at our bubble and look at our situation and feel like we're the only ones going through this. You know, like the enemy loves to isolate us in our waiting season and loves to make us feel like no one else is struggling with this. You're going to be behind because this happened to you and God's not giving this to you. And so did you ever struggle with that isolation, looking at other people, just maybe meeting a guy, getting married fast or whatever it may be? Did you struggle with the comparison in the waiting? Oh my gosh. I literally just laughed out loud because <laughs> all the above, all the above. I was in 10 weddings, right? Like over the last years, I was 10 weddings. There were friends that were dating someone when Tim went away, broke up with him started dating someone else, got married, had a kid all while I was still waiting. Wow. And so, yeah, that was a very, that was a huge hurdle that I had to get over. And I had to really dig deep and say, okay, joy and sorrow can coexist. Those things can coexist. I don't want to be a bitter friend or a resentful friend or someone that says, I can't believe so-and-so is getting married. They don't even have a good relationship. Mine and Tim's relationship is better because some people can do that, right? You can look at other people's lives and say, why did they get to get married? Or why did they get to have kids? They're not even, you know, whatever. And so I had to really dig deep and say, okay, how can I be joyful? And how can I celebrate my friends in my season of deep depression, my season of deep sorrow and my season of waiting for my husband? And the Lord was so gracious to allow me to still celebrate life to still celebrate marriage, to still have joy in the midst of pain. And the more that I studied the word, the more that I came to know that joy is a promise, right? When we read in Galatians about the fruits of the spirit, joy is one of them. (laughs) And so that's not circumstantial. That's not like happiness where happiness is like, okay, whatever's going on in your life, it makes you happy. Joy is, it's a promise in the middle of the pit. It's a promise in the middle of the sorrow. And so I'm so thankful that God really kind of made that my theme for my life during that season is joy is a promise. I launched a whole line off of it. All my t-shirts said joy is a promise because I just wanted to remind people, even in the midst of hell, right? Even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of I'm terrified my husband's going to be killed in prison. Joy is still a promise, right? And, And marriages of God. So like, even though I wanted to be married so bad, Marriage is a beautiful thing and we need to be able to celebrate our friends and truly be happy and joyful for them, even though like we're still hurting. Yeah, that is so good. I literally have chills, (laughs) but it is, it's, and that's, I think the hardest part and you go through a huge season of stripping that I feel like you had to realize like, holy cow, God, not only is challenging my patience right now and challenging my heart in the waiting but he's also taking away those things of like, okay, I could give you the marriage, but am I still enough? I could give you this job promotion, but am I still enough? And that requires us stripping a lot of like almost idols in our heart. And I feel like I can relate to that so much too, is like, I had to realize, okay, is it 
genuinely at the end of the day, am I waiting on God because I want the promise because I want that so badly, you know, like, or am I waiting on God because he is my promise? He is enough. And Mm -hmm. that is just such a good reminder of you saying like, you just have to, yeah, we have to just realign our hearts and the comparison is what really just gets us sidetracked. And so how did you like, how did you keep the faith knowing God was just going to come through for you in that trial? You know, I think we've mentioned like, you know, we're waiting on God, but was there anything like any verse or any piece of encouragement or any kind of mentor that helped, helped you in this? Yeah, I think there's so many things, right? There are so many daily things. I mean, it's 10 years. So it's a lot of really ugly crying, really embarrassing moments, really shameful moments that God really convicted me. The Holy Spirit was constantly convicting me of my flesh. And just like you said, like shredding everything that was not me. And there were moments and just to be raw and honest, like my sister and I lived together and there would be moments I was outside in the ditch face face down in the ditch. <laughs> it sounds so dramatic. <laughs> like the grass and there was a little ditch. It wasn't like, you know, I went missing and they had to find me, but there was a little ditch in the backyard mm-hmm. and it's just not flying everywhere. I'm screaming. I'm crying saying, Lord, I need help. I'm exhausted. I'm depleted. I have nothing left to give. I just kept saying, I have nothing left to get Lord. I need more of you and less of me. And I just kept praying the prayer of David is search my heart. Lord, rid me of any wickedness that's inside of me, rid me of anything that's not of you, because I literally I can't go on, right? I have this diagnosis. I I can't walk. My sister's getting married. Now I'm gonna have to move out of her house. There was everything. Everybody else's lives were moving on and mine wasn't. And I think that's something you said with isolation. I absolutely felt isolated. I remember going through a season of my life where I didn't sleep at all. Like I would stay up all night watching Grey's Anatomy and my sister would go to work at 7 a.m. and I was still awake watching Grey's Anatomy because I was so, I needed to like, not think about the depression that I was going through. So I fixated myself on soap operas. <laughs> Literally, Grey's Anatomy is a soap opera, which is horrible. Yeah. Um, and that was in the beginning, but then the Lord really gave me the medicine of helping others. It, and that's when I started my 501c3. I really started to ask the Lord and seek the Lord and say, okay, God, what is it that I'm good at that I can help serve people? What are, you know, it's, the, the story of the talents, right? We've been gifted talents. Are we just hiding them or are we using them and multiplying them to serve him in our waiting, in our depression, in our weakness, in our sickness? Like we are called to be good stewards in every season. Am I just going to fulfill my, my mission when Tim gets home or am I going to do it today? Mm. And so I was really convicted of that is, are you just waiting for the promise? Or are you going to fulfill it today? And so that's when I started my nonprofit. And and really, it was the biggest medicine being able to dive into other women's lives and be able to pour into them and work out. I mean, it was a fitness nonprofit. So like we were just working out multiple times a week, but that became the best therapy is just helping others. Because when we're able to get out of our own self Mm -hmm. and be able to look into the interests of others, it kind of, you kind of forget about all (laughs) the trauma that you're going through because you're, you're, you know, focusing on someone else. And so that was a huge one. But then I also just became obsessed with the word. The word literally became food. I was craving the word every single day because with my Lyme diagnosis, there was a season of my life. I couldn't walk. My dad was carrying me to the bathroom. He was carrying me to bed because after dinner, I would just collapse. And I went from a college athlete. So now I can't even walk from the dinner table to my, to my room. And so in those seasons of forced rest, the Lord was like, 
this is food, right? I carry my Bible everywhere. God is like, this is food. This is your nourishment. This is how you're going to survive. This is how you're going to function. And so every day, whether I believed it or not, I declared his word. And there are declarations I I highly recommend, which we can share at the end of this. Pastor Craig Rochelle is amazing, right? He's a pastor of Life Church. And he has biblical declarations that I said every day when Tim was in prison, every single day. Wow. And there were days I remember going by my prayer wall and just laying my hands on it and saying, God, I'm so mad. God, I'm so tired right now, but I'm just declaring this. You know what's on it. I wrote it down. Just yes. make it happen and allow me to just be able to operate out of the spirit because I've got nothing left. Right. That's That was really just me being honest with the Lord and allowing myself to be angry with God. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people when you're in a waiting season, you forget God created your emotions. right scared of your anger he's not scared of your frustration he's not scared of your sadness and he's not saying don't bring that to me he's saying hey I want to counsel you through that this is why I've given you the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and so the Holy Spirit just became so real to me in that season and I just fed on the word and just and and you said something about idols which I'm sorry I'm talking so much no keep going I'm Um, literally taking notes over here I'm like keep uh, going you're on fire (laughs) okay in that season I was so convicted I remember I had one of my nephews because they're my best friends I had one of my little nephews and I was taking him on a stroller in the park and I was bringing him around the lake and God convicted me so hardcore and people probably thought I was crazy woman that we're watching, but I took my nephew out of the stroller and I sat him down on this rock and I was reminded of the story of Abraham and Isaac and God quickly convicted me of, are you idolizing the promise? Mm -hmm. So are you so focused on Tim coming home? Are you so focused on, yes, I get this promise or are you focused on me? Because if you put anything before God, it's an idol, right? And just how Abraham was given the promise of Isaac, we know what happened next. God's like, sacrifice them. Right. It's horrific to think about like in modern day, I'm going to take my child and put him out and, and murder him. But God was testing his obedience and he wanted his undivided heart. So I remember being in the park, sitting my nephew down. People are like, this girl is whack. But I just sat there and I prayed, Lord, right now I'm sacrificing the promise of Tim. Right now I'm putting my marriage on the altar. Right now I'm putting my desires on the altar. Right now I'm putting everything that I want on the altar, because you want my undivided heart in this season. If I'm so focused on the future, then I'm not being obedient in the present. And so it was just, it just blows my mind how faithful God was with visions during that season of waiting that really helped me just deplete me of me. And it's, like I said, it's ugly. I was in the ditch crying. There's ugly moments, right? But that is it. It's constant surrender. God, I want to be married so bad. God, I want to be pregnant so bad. Whatever it is that someone's listening to right now and saying, I'm putting this back on the altar. Yeah. Because with my undivided heart, because there is a ram in the thicket, right? Mm-hmm. Abraham didn't have to sacrifice Isaac. So right when you're about to sacrifice something, God might say, just kidding. I actually have a ram. Get off the altar. I got you, sister. But mm-hmm. he just wants to know that we're willing. Yes. Right. And that we're obedient. And so 
No, that's so powerful. I mean, seriously, there's something to be said when we just start like speaking it out loud, like those declarations, like you said, from Craig Rochelle of just saying, you know, I am going to fight this head on. And it's time that I really do think in our waiting, we vocalize those things. I like that. you, Like, I so admire that you're bringing up the anger and frustration side of it, because I think we can all relate to the times where like you, we literally have like a hissy fit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so freaking over it. I'm so over the waiting. I'm so exhausted. I'm done. I'm fed up. And so I'm glad that you, you shared that because that definitely hits home where people are just like, well, keep waiting, keep praying, like on some worship music. And it's like, can I just say like, this freaking sucks. (laughs) That was probably the worst. And people are like, Oh, God has a plan. I'm like, dude, I know God has a plan, but this totally sucks. No, it literally totally sucks. It's like, wow, we've all heard the same thing. But going back what you said about the idols too, um, I'm really convicted of that. And I'm sure like whether people don't see like, okay, maybe it's the idol of marriage they're waiting on or um, an idol of a promotion that you feel like you've deserved for a while. Honestly, I think because we're in such a like, accomplishment driven culture like we totally idolize productivity and we idolize success we idolize efficiency and I think like in our waiting God totally strips that like it's like it is not on your time it is on my time and so you know for all of us that are like go-getters we love to be we love to like cross things off our checklist. We love to get things done. Like the waiting season in and of itself just completely (laughs) strips us of that, which I feel like timing and stripping us of our own timing is a very uncomfortable season to be in. Yeah, for sure. And I think something that's so important is I've, I said the whole time during the last 10 years is don't resent the wait. Are you just bitterly waiting or are you actually waiting upon the Lord? (laughs) You know, because he's who renews your strength and it's, we forget that every, like if we were to think in, in kingdom minded and in, in a, the grand scheme of life, your waiting season is exactly what is preparing you for the calling that God has for your life. And whether yes. you want to Christianese, whatever, whatever, if you're listening, you're like, okay, Glib, that's great. No, it literally is. Yeah. You know, for me in this season of my life, um, we're waiting to have a baby. It's been nine months. I didn't think that we were going to have to wait again. I'm like, Lord, you made me wait. 10 years. And now you're making me wait again. What the heck, man? But I trust him, right? I trust the process. And it's just like, you know, Mark Batterson wrote this book that changed my life. I've probably read it five or six times since Mm -hmm. Tim was gone. And I recommend everyone to read it. And it's called in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. And it's funny. It's actually sitting right in front of me, which I did not prepare. It is this. And it oh, is awesome. falling apart. It is disgusting. It has been rained on. I mean, it is horrific, but <laughs> it's talking about how to, it, it talks about, it says, what if the life you really want and the future God wants for you are hiding right now in your biggest problem, your worst failure and your greatest fear. Wow. And it talks about the story of Benaiah and how he was confronted with the lion on a snowy day. This is literally in the Bible and how he went after the lion in the pit, attacked it, killed it. And he could have cowered away. Most of us would have ran away from a lion, goodness gracious. Um, But that is what qualified him to be the bodyguard for King David, right? And so that moment was a pivotal moment for him that was like, 
okay, all these people resume, you guys went to this college, this place, you served in this, whatever. And this guy's like killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. David's like, dude, I want that guy <laughs> on my team to protect me because he is intense. Right. And so right now you guys might be confronted with a lion in your life and you might think, oh gosh, this is the very thing that's going to completely take me out. But yeah. God is like, just wait, sister, like I am setting you up. This is a resume building opportunity for the calling that I have promised you. Don't idolize it, but it's coming and I'm preparing you for it. And so that book really changed my life for sure. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to literally order that book right now. <laughs> Especially so if you say it's falling apart. That's when you know you've read it yeah. too many times. I mean, there's like... <laughs> Yeah. Well, honestly, there's so many resources out now too, especially for, you know, the women that want to wait well and want to wait the Lord's way, because I do think there is a difference, like you've been saying to, to do this God's way and, um, kind of explain a little bit more on that too. There's a difference between actively waiting and passively waiting. Um, and so how can you encourage women listening to actively wait, even when around them, it seems like nothing's moving? Yeah, no, I think that's great. I was, I was voice memoing you that yesterday, the Lord really convicted me in the car as I was driving. Are people actively waiting? Are you actively waiting? And that sounds very contradicting, right? Active and wait. Right. <laughs> but are you just wasting your waiting season? Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, I could have passively, be, and I did passively wait. There were seasons I totally just cried and just didn't do anything. But are we waiting upon the Lord in eagerness, in expectation, waiting at the door and knocking and saying, Lord, I want to hear from you? Are we putting ourselves in positions to hear from God, right? Are we going to revival? Are we going to Bible study? Are we showing up to church? Are we reading our word every day? Because if we're not reading the word and we're act, act, asking, goodness gracious, sorry, asking for the promise, why would God, the Lord give us the promise if we're not even spending time with him right. right and so I think that there is a massive difference between just sitting around and being a sloth like I say this all the time and resting and abiding because John 15 talks about apart from him we could do nothing right right and so in our waiting season it can sometimes become hopeless and we're just like oh screw it like I'm not going to pray for this anymore. I'm over it. It's been 10 years. I'm frustrated. My healing hasn't come. My husband hasn't come. My baby hasn't come. What the heck? And then you just kind of say deuces on God and you don't show up anymore. Well, that's not the, that's not a way to show God honor and glory. Like God is still good. He is still faithful. And so I always encourage people to actively wait at the feet of Christ to show up, to read your word. And like I said, there were days where I didn't want to read the word. That's why I, I printed out and I wrote down declarations and put it on my prayer wall. So on days I was tired and I didn't feel like waiting. I just put my hand and said, God, you know, it's on there Yes, <laughs> yeah. because that is supposed to be preparing you. But if you're not studying, you know, like you're about to go take a test, then you're going to flunk the test, right? Because right. you're not preparing in that season. And something I really do miss is that desperation and longing and need that I had for the Lord. Yes. Like that season was so beautiful because I was so desperate mm -hmm. and I like needed God to talk to me every single day or else I was not functioning. Right. And so that verse that we had talked about, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Yes. That wait upon the Lord, not wait upon your own, you know, ways Wait right. upon someone else, a man to finally pop on in there and slide in the DMs, whatever it is. Right. Wait upon the Lord. 
-hmm. And that looks massively different than waiting upon someone or waiting upon your own strength. So, right. No. And I love that verse. That verse has helped me through so many seasons where I'm like, Oh God, I, I need something because it literally says like, if you wait on God, he will renew your strength. Oh. We actually need strength. We need courage to wait on God. Like it is amazing to me when people are in waiting seasons and they don't know the Lord. Cause I'm like, how are you doing that out of your like fleshly human nature? I have no idea how you're actually doing it. And it reminds me of the verse to, um, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord, which is Psalm 27, 14. And it's so crazy because so many times in the Bible, when it says to wait on God, it says, wait on the Lord again. Like it again, it's like, twice. just in case you didn't see it the first time, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> right. And, and I, feel like, with it. I know. And it's like, okay, why did you just say that the second time I got it the first time, but we really didn't get it. The first didn't. Time. No. <laughs> so that's, what's funny is like, you know, things are so purposeful in the Bible when it, when it was said twice, it's because we have to wait again and yeah. need the strength again. So Anyways, but thank you so much for just sharing. I, I want to ask you one last question. Um, you know, I think you've mentioned so much of being in a season of um, you know, almost bitterness and, and dealing with things of, you know, resentment and jealousy and, and just being fed up with with waiting. Um, is there any last piece of encouragement for those who are currently resenting? their season, they really need breakthrough. They really need God to come and kind of almost like the timer's ticking. Um, they see that by maybe a certain day or a certain month, they need breakthrough. How would you encourage them? Yes. No, there's a few verses that I clung to. There's one in Romans that talks about the pain that you're going through now doesn't even compare to the joy that is coming and it is coming. Right. And we get the joy of the Lord, which is a promise. And it is, I just want to share my personal testimony. My wedding day, I was the most giddy bride ever. I was oh. just like, I was at the altar with Tim and I was just so excited. I was so joyful. And it was just, that verse came to life mm. because I had declared that verse since the day of his accident saying, okay, the pain that I'm going through now doesn't compare the joy that's coming. And all of those deep, deep, dark, depressive days almost vanished when I was at the altar getting married, because I was just so freaking giddy to finally marry my husband. And so that joy is just so magnified. And so, and I, and I want to say like a great formula to live every day is Romans 12, 12, and it's be joyful in hope, mm -hmm. patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. And that is literally, it was my slogan for so long, be joyful in hope. And it's not in false hope. It's not in human hope, right? It's the hope of the Lord. It's the hope of heaven. It's the hope that guess what? This life is a vapor, right? Like we <laughs> yes. love new life right on earth, but also we get to go to heaven. No one can take that from us. Mm -hmm. So be joyful and hope patient and affliction. That's something you don't want to pray for, but you know, that is a fruit of the spirit is patience. And so during your times of affliction, say, Lord, I know you're preparing me. And the last thing is faithful in prayer. Yeah. And just pray about everything. I remember I was praying about mattresses. God, my back hurts. Provide a new mattress. God, I need this. Provide this. And he answered it. And I was able to check it off on my prayer list. And so for those that are desperate right now and you're frustrated and you're fed up, just know the pain you're going through now doesn't compare to the joy that's coming. And it is coming. And I would say silence the noise. That is the biggest thing I could tell you in this season is people will tell you what they think. People will tell you what they think you need to do, whether you need to get on a dating app, whether you need to do this, whether you need to go to this doctor, whatever. 
silence the noise and just go directly to the Holy Spirit because we know I could preach all day about King Saul, but King Saul was demoted because he cared too much about the opinions of others than the opinions of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to remember other people's opinions for our lives aren't the truth. Yeah, it's the truth, but it's on the truth of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to be so convicted and say, okay, God, what do you want for my life? Do I yes. really believe that you want me to not have sex before marriage? Do right. I really believe that I don't, I shouldn't go out with that guy, you know, and, and to trust it and to be convicted in it and to know that God rewards those who diligently seek him, mm-hmm. right? God rewards obedience. And the last thing I want to say is Deuteronomy 28. I read every single morning for like seven years and it is all about blessings for obedience. Mm-hmm. And so on, even on days, you don't feel like it, even on days, you're so exhausted you could read the word and say, you know what? I haven't seen mountains moved in my life. I haven't seen miracles happen, but I'm going to go back to the word of God and see what God promises me. And there is blessing attached for just obeying him. And so if your prayer today, your biggest prayer, I believe should be God, let me just obey you. Mm -hmm. God increase my obedience because not just for the blessings, but because that's the heart posture that we should be living. Right. But we also get the blessings of the Lord too. Mm -hmm. And so that's really my last little piece of advice for everybody. So good. I don't know if you're taking notes, whoever's listening right now, but I'm like, I can't wait to go back and make like sticky notes of this stuff and like paste it on my mirror. No, thank you so much. I mean, seriously, I just that picture of you at the altar too with Tim just like gave me goosebumps because I was like, that is such a beautiful like foreshadow of us as the bride of Christ, you know, and like, we're just going to be so giddy. Like that's what it's all about. It makes me literally want to cry is like when we get there like oh wow yeah that's making me want to cry too you know is we're waiting our whole life but that's the moment where Jesus in his sovereignty and his majesty is just like you know here I am you know like I'm a good father I've just I can't wait to welcome you home so oh thank you for encouraging me that with with that story because that is truly just such a beautiful picture and just what a testimony to your faithfulness to the Lord, your faithfulness to now your husband. And I'm just believing God is going to continue to use you in such mighty ways. And the story is truly going to be amplified to just encourage women that are in this season. So thank you so, so much. Um, Where can people further support you and follow your ministry? (laughs) You can just connect with me on Instagram. I always say slide in my DMs. I love to connect with you. I don't want to just be surface level friends. I want to like chat with you, get coffee with you. It's just simply live, simply liv.co on Instagram. And then the Lydia effect, if you guys are passionate about Jesus, you want to grow a business or grow in your leadership. It's the period Lydia effect on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all you're doing. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And I just love you so much and admire you as a friend. I can't wait to go back and listen to this. So (laughs) all right, you guys, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Be Brave and Beautiful podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, leave a rating, and follow us on Instagram at Be Brave and Beautiful. See you next time.